Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Are you feeling a bit animated? Well, come on over to the Wicked Anime Podcast on the Nerdy Show Network a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to animation, Japanese culture, and all things anime. With a true industry perspective, we're always diving deeper than school uniforms and tentacle monsters. Join us on the Wicked Anime Podcast, nerdyshow.com slash wickedanime. It's Wicked A! The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBear here, and we are back, back, back again with another pop culture roundup for your ears. I am joined by Eric. Hello. Brian. Howdy. And BJ. What's up? And we are here to discuss the things that are tickling our fancy here in the month of July 2021. And uh, there's... Lots of great stuff. There's lots of great pop culture. Um, I know I had to narrow mine down and uh, think of a couple of I had a couple of different things that really I, I enjoyed this month. Normally, I, I've been struggling because I tend to watch a lot of repeat television, um, but there were a couple of good things. So obviously, at least one thing will get left behind. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna take it as it comes. So why don't we go ahead and jump right into the topics. Brian, why don't you kick us off? What is your topic for this month? So I have uh, a great privilege, 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 whatever you say, uh, to know a couple uh, comic book uh, creators. And two of the creators that I I got to know a little bit are out of San Francisco. um, Actually, sorry, L.A., Close, but not quite, right? Uh, Nicole Go and David Baker. And they, um, they've they been doing stuff. We've talked about them on the show. Uh, they did Fuck Off Squad, uh, Shitty Watchmen, uh, Action Hospital. Um, and and, and in, they didn't collaborate on all of those, but most of those, I think. Uh, uh, so they collaborate a lot. Uh, Dave's more of the writer. Nicole's more of the artist. 
Um, and so they had a new book come out this month uh, from Dark Horse, and it's called Everyone is Tulip, which is uh, kind of a bizarre title and interesting, um, unusual, I should say. And uh, I, I found out it was coming out. I went down to my local comic shop here in uh, Shoreline, and they uh, they had it. I was like, yes, this is great. I'm so excited. I had no idea what to expect. I've, I've been not reading as many comics. We haven't obviously talked as many com- about as many comics on the show, though we will, I believe, today uh, make up for that. But uh, Everyone is Tulip is beautiful. First of all, Nicole's art. Uh, I wish we were doing it on like the the web stream, you know, video. Cause I, I really, I, you got to go Google. Everyone is tulip. Uh, Nicole's art is style is just so beautiful. I, I think Ellie Hall is the colorist. I got to confirm that. And the 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 tones, yeah, Ellie Hall. Oh, and Nicole uh, did colors. The tones of this book, it's so iconically like pink and blue and just uh, purples and just it's a beautiful book. Um, but the story, most of you probably more interested in the story, right? It's about this actress, up and coming actress, who kind of one day after working dead end service food service jobs, um, basically says, "Fuck it, I'm moving to L.A." and um, to to be to to put uh, their name out there to try to get uh, acting gigs and you know build a career. So she moves out there, and they kind of go into flashbacks of that whole story. And the, 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 this gig she lands after some, you know, not so great auditions is sort of a weird performance art, like a uh, photo shoot really. Cause she's not doing much other than standing there, but she is talking and it's her in various outfits. And she's just saying, everyone is tulip and you get these beautiful, well, you know, I'm going to show our, our group here, nine panel uh, pages of of uh, Nicole basically just sketching this character in different outfits and saying everyone is tulip. Now they do this a few times throughout the book, so you know it's there. It, it, it's 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 repetitive for a reason. Like that's the art piece that, that it's that's doing that, that's being released, and it causes like a viral sensation. Like the internet just takes off. Like they love this. It's so mysterious and bizarre. And we've all seen these kind of bizarre whether it's a, a meme or a TikTok or before that YouTube or whatever video going viral. We, we all know what that looks like. We've all seen that process. And so this book kind of explores a little bit about like the person and people who might be behind one of those um, intentional, like, you know, viral video things. And then from there it kind of goes off the rails in a weird way. I don't want to spoil like too much because it is interesting, but the cast of characters, you know, you get this, auteur director who is trying to be like so pure kind of Andy Warhol-esque about like his creation of Tulip and um, you know that gets involved and muddy but like you know he takes her to a party and she wants to just be herself and like talk to people and he's like no 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 all you can say is everyone is Tulip that's all you can say that you we got to preserve the brand we got to preserve the character (laughs) Yeah, like it's very interesting. It's very, uh, it's very, um, again, echoes of like auteurs of, of like an Andy Warhol. I, I say Andy Warhol. I believe he did something like this, but you know, don't don't quote me on that. <clears throat> um, I also love because Nicole and Dave are, are, are younger. You're younger creators. They they organically get social media in 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 the way they write their comics, and so 
you have these little thought bubbles and little little cutaways of uh, social media like notifications. Uh, so there's one panel where you just see her phone sitting on her bedside and you get like a two page spread of this bedroom, which is beautiful. And you flip it and the next page and you've got like these ch- chicklets, they call them like Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and then you get the little numbers. And so the only difference between that and the previous two page spread is these notification pop-ups. And that's a really great way of capturing sort of the, the escalation of, of the, the viral video taking off. Um, she also, uh, Dave and her also love to use, uh, I'll show our, show our group again, like the, the nine panel grid to do, um, text conversations. And so you'll have it in the panel, uh, in like a sort of vaguely familiar GUI showing the conversations. And again, uh, other writers, this isn't brand new, like other writers have definitely done this before other artists, but I feel like this is very organic and believable. Some writers and, and creators, unfortunately, they kind of, they probably know what their kids tell them. I mean, some of them obviously are on Twitter or whatever. They, they get it. But, <laughs> but like, it's just, it just feels very believable and organic. So I was reading about in the back matter, because uh, it's a trade. It's a $20 trade. Um, but very, I mean, this book is beautiful for, for 20 bucks. And it's, it's pretty thick. It's really a great, uh, great deal. Um, yeah, I was reading about the creation of this. And I guess they were over in Europe. Uh, they did Thought Bubble, which is a uh, if you're familiar with Comic Cons, it's like the I think it's I think it's London, might be might not be London, but it's it's in England. I'll just go with England. Uh, it, it's a big English uh, Comic Con, um, and they were like trying to just come up with some ideas and sort of brainstorm. And um, one of their their themes is art is time travel, and the reason they say that is uh, this is like a, a message in a bottle. Uh, art any art. Our, our podcast is, is, is an example of this. It is a it is a moment in time captured in some medium that then can talk to the future. And so, you know, this book is very much of that era when they were touring around and doing all this. And they they wanted to kind of delve into what it's like for art and artists and uh, young up and coming uh, creators, art, actors, art, whatever, whatever art you're doing, the struggle of trying to make it the opportunities that you're presented and sort of the unfortunate or fortunate uh, uh, reality that you're not going to necessarily know what you're famous for. Like the, you don't get to choose that. If you, if you are so fortunate to, to blow up for whatever, you don't always get to manufacture that. Sometimes it's for things you, you did not intend. <laughs> you may not want. Um, so it deals with a lot of that. And um, yeah, it's, it's a really fun little book. There's some other characters in it that are there's like a mother, mother, son character, uh, characters that have like a nice little story. You can definitely see some, um, some cool little LA, uh, sort of scenes and, and moments and that they're, they're, uh, they're, you know, they're really entrenched in that world. And, uh, and, and it's cool to sort of see and recognize some of that, uh, preserved here. So, yeah, I don't know. Everyone is tulip is certainly a, a different comic. It's not your superhero. It's not your average, you know, whatever, uh, that you would probably find in the comic shop. But if you go look for it, it's probably there. Uh, just came out like last week as we're recording us. Uh, so very recent. Um, you should check it out and just try it or flip through it at least and see if you like the the sort of style and the, the pictures and the, and the and the interesting sort of different story. And yeah, let me know. Let us know if you like it. Uh, we're going to try to get Dave and Nicole on the Monday show once the Monday show comes back in a more reliable schedule. 
uh, they both said they were, they'd be happy to, to come on. And I really want to, I want to talk more about this with them. So everyone is tulip by dark horse. Uh, go check it out. Uh, I posted, I posted the main website, uh, for the comic up on the Facebook. You are amazing. You're, you're talking about the art and I was like, I have the internet at my disposal. I can totally put some of the art and oh, then yeah, I found yeah, the yeah. website and I was like, Oh, there we go. So the, uh, the, the website for, uh, everyone is tulip is up on the, uh, the Facebook page for those of you that follow us on Facebook. Is it just everyone is tulip.com or something? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, it's yeah. Everyone is tulip.com. Perfect. So when you're listening to this, if you're on the Patreon feed and you're getting this early, it should be a recent post on our page. If you were listening to this, when it comes out to the general population, uh, you may have to scroll back a little bit, but go to everyone is tulip.com. Uh, what is Nicole's last name? I, the spelling of it, because I know that it's spelled a little bit different than kind of. It's yeah, that's, I'm glad you asked that. Yeah. G O U X. The French way. Yes. Or French esque. And Dave Baker, uh, the writer, um, <clears throat> has uh, – and they, they co-created this, by the way. Um, he has a podcast that I have started to get through. It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's very uh, deep dives. Um, actually, it's called Deep Cuts. Um, so it's Deep Cuts, the podcast. They go on just random – you won't even know week to week or episode to episode what topics they're on. Like the last one they did – uh, wow, they're up to 73. Uh, the church that worships guns. And uh, it's just this deep uh, dive on a topic. And it's, it's really it's really great. They do videos, uh, watch along sometimes. Uh, so yeah, Deep Cuts, the podcast, if you want to go check out some more of Dave's stuff uh, as well. But Action Hospital is probably what he's most well known for. Oh, and, and both of them are done, doing mainstream work now, too. Uh, Dave did a Voyager, I believe, comic uh, for, for uh, IDW. And Nicole's done, oh, it's like Shadow of the Bat uh, as an artist. Anyway, so they're, they're both uh, up-and-coming creators who are now starting to get, like, you know, Marvel DC work. And they're, they, have a, they have a bright future, as they like to say. But, no, they're, they're great. They're so sweet, too. Every time I see them in a show, they're – they oh, uh, Pat, you'd remember this. Uh, one of the pins that I they, – they sell enamel pins. Mm-hmm. It's uh, – they, they have that whole uh, – what is it? Uh, Stanley is a liar. One? Which one? Was that, the, was that where you got the Bill Finger? Yep. Yep. The okay. well, whatever the is, it, basically, if you know the story of Batman at all, Bill Finger is the artist who co-created Batman and the Joker and uh, created the Joker. Like he gets no credit a lot of times, or didn't for a while. Uh, uh, what's his name? Kane would get all the credit, you know, and it's all people knew. So there's a pin that they sell that's like, uh, what is it? Not Gil Kane, but it's uh, whatever. Anyway, that guy uh, is an asshole or a liar. Like they just put these pins out that are very like deep dive comic uh, history, but like boiled down to an enamel pin with a symbol. So they're great. They have a great, great fun convention. Anytime you can go see them, they always uh, bend together. So, yep. Nice. That's everyone is Tulip. Go check it out. Go to the website if you can't uh, find it. Obviously, we want to support the artists as much as possible. We also um, in a new normal quote-unquote world we want to make sure that we're also supporting our local comic shops because small businesses matter so go check out your local comic shop see if they have it in stock there see if they can order it for you um that way you can still support both the local merchant and 
uh the artist as well so go check that out and um go to the facebook page and check out the website so you can get a feel for the art first and maybe we can even uh take some pictures and put them up on our instagram as well since that is a very um image forward platform all right let's throw it over to eric the one who has not twitched yet (laughs) (laughs) um so my topic is a trilogy of which two out of the three are currently out on Netflix. It's the Fear Street trilogy, uh, part one, 1994, and part two, 1978, are already on Netflix. Um, they are based off of the classic Fear Street series uh, written by R.L. Stein. Uh, They're not direct adaptations. They're kind of an original story based on the property. Um, Just about this town, Shadyside, Ohio, who just has a run of serial killers as long as the town's been around, basically. Um, And it's always just blamed on them going crazy, but it's really because of a witch and just possessing people and turning them into serial killers. And it's a fun slasher teen movie. Um, The first one, 1994. Um, The second one is more of a classic throwback to uh, a serial killer at a camp. um, A la Friday the 13th, 1 and 2. I really didn't recognize any of the production people or most of the actors um i know the, the second, second one has the uh sadie sink who's the redhead from stranger things yeah yeah um as well as jillian jacobs um she's kind of the narrator of the second movie um i'm um, sorry it's gillian gillian the I, hard G. I, I apologize <laughs> She is a drag race super fan, and don't you forget it, please. I understand this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the movies are are good. I enjoyed them. Um, See, I held held off on them because I I wasn't... I was like... I thought they were just slasher flicks. Like, they had no supernatural element. Because, like, it's... I mean, I like the way they they kind of advertise them because they're really ambiguous. Yeah. Uh, at first, and then I saw like a random, like I, I thought I think it was like a final trailer to announce that it'd come out, and I was like, "There's this weird little supernatural scene," and I was like, "Wait, what?" I was like, "Huh?" Um, and I used to read those books re- like religiously when I was God in junior high. Yeah, I had so many of them back, and it's it's weird because those books really started coming out before Goosebumps came out, and Goosebumps yeah. blew up as he likes to scare him younger and younger. Um, I also think it's kind of interesting the way this trilogy is going kind of backwards in time, as opposed to showing the origin of it first and then going forward in time. Um, cause the third movie is just basically going to be the origins of the witch herself, which is fun. Um, but they're a good watch if, if you can't wait until October for all the other scary movies to come out. I wouldn't say there's a lot of jump scares. It's just kind of a classic slasher, but it's good. And there's some unexpected deaths. So, so it's fun. 
It's it, well, and it's funny because that that kind of the backwards storytelling, the kind of the the flashback sort of style of a storytelling. I feel like that used to be kind of the mainstream when it came to horror, but then like then you had American Horror Story happen where sometimes you have flashbacks and then sometimes you have flash forwards and then sometimes you have like alternate storylines going along with another one that are technically in a different time frame. So it's 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 interesting how how everything old is new again. Mm-hmm. And it, they're great time capsules as well, especially the soundtracks. Um, oh, it, everybody's been telling me the soundtrack's amazing. Yeah. But check it out on Netflix. Uh, Fear Street Part 1 and Part 2 and Part 3 comes out next Friday. So when this episode drops, Part 3 will be available. Or yes, are we do, is watch, it a week so from... You can, so you can binge the whole trilogy. Nice. Very nice. I, I thought there was going to be more time in between. I felt, I feel like there was... Was it that, that quick between parts one and part two? Yeah, it was uh, July 2nd, July 9th, and then July 16th. Oh, they said you get no time before the next oh, part yeah. comes out. <laughs> you either watch this now or um, the next part's going to be waiting for you when you're done. Which isn't I'm okay. bad. I'm okay with that because I haven't watched the first one yet. So now if I if I put it off long enough, I can watch all three of them at, almost at the same time. How long are the uh, how long are these uh, movies shows episodic? The first two parts of the trilogy, Eric. Um, they're they're not quite two hours each. Oh, okay. So they're so movies, are, like yeah. full out, full length feature films. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So that is Fear Street parts one and two available as of our recording. Part three will be available when this gets released to general population again i have to preface that with if you're listening to this on patreon as part of our first listen then only parts one and part two are available but if you are listening uh, every day apparently i feel more and more like uh gayest episode ever eric this is just gotta stop this <laughs> if you're listening on the patreon feed then this is an episode about this exactly <laughs> uh but uh but yeah but it's one of the perks of being one of our patreon subscribers at a specific level i believe sister six level and the house of x level get exclusive first listen to the episodes um and because we're recording on our proper recording day it should be out the earliest that it would be on uh sunday so you'll get a full week ahead of the rest of the world all the millions and millions of people who are listening to these episodes every two weeks. So feel free to go over to Patreon and join. A little shameless plug for Patreon before we get to the uh, middle of the episode. <laughs> but, you know, it happens. Uh, so I am going to actually do my topic because I Gasp. think at least three quarters of us have all partaken in BJ's topic which I th- <laughs> think will be a little meatier and uh, a little more conversation heavy. So I will go meteor ahead. Meteor or meteor. 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 So meaty. Meteor. Aw. <laughs> Unless miss- Mars becomes a meteor and then that could be a problem. <laughs> so um, my topic is a Netflix television show 
called Special. Uh, it's an American comedy streaming television series. It premiered on Netflix April 12th, 2019. Uh, it's, the series itself is based on the memoir, I'm Special and Other Lies We Tell Ourselves. That was released in 2015 by Ryan O'Connell. He is also uh, the star, the writer, and executive producer for the series. In 2019, in uh, December, the series was renewed for a second season. Um, the Wikipedia page says second and final season. I feel like it was put that way because it um, is over now. And it's the second season was said to be the, the final season. But if I'm not mistaken, I think Ryan was on ask me another and it talked about the fact that they didn't know that it was a um, going to be the, the final season when they started production, which I hope because um, one of my few drawbacks on this is kind of how quickly the story wraps up in the end. Um, but the second season premiered on May 20th of 2021 and it is the final season. So the story has wrapped up according to the Netflix platform and uh, the focus of the memoir and the show is Ryan. In the show, he is Ryan Hayes. Um, he becomes an unpaid intern at a lifestyle blogging platform uh, website called Eggwoke. And he has cerebral palsy. And in the first uh, few moments of the television show of season one, he's hit by a car. And uh, kind of conflates because of public perception that the accident is what causes his limp and for him to have certain uh, muscular issues as far as being able to have, you know, uh, coordination and uh, actual muscular movement issues. And he not wanting to kind of be pigeonholed as uh, being disabled and having uh, kind of that that faux sympathy bestowed upon him runs with it, for lack of a better term, and just kind of uses that car crash, that car accident, as the way for people to be able to kind of dote over him and um, shower him with sympathy at times, as opposed to um, his actual disability. The show itself, it takes a little bit to get going in the first season, but it finds its stride. There is a lot of humor. Um, I, I wish I could find... I've been off Facebook for a while for the most part, but I think when I first watched the show, um, the head of Egg Woke, uh, Olivia, is having this meeting and just kind of rifles off like an egg, banana cigarettes like as her uh, shopping list and it's like there are just these little bits and pieces that are scattered through it that are just unbelievably fantastic uh ryan's best friend in the show is uh kim uh punam patel is the actor who plays uh kim and she is a uh, a plus-sized very empowered female who kind of is almost a a a life advisor and life coach for Ryan when he comes to Eggwoke and they build this fantastic friendship and she pushes him out of his comfort zone. And the second, uh, the first season ends after he's moved out, he's had a fight with his mom and uh, because of their codependent relationship, 
uh, which a lot of gay sons kind of end up having that, that very close knit relationship with their mother, sometimes to a more codependent extent than others. Um, but the second season really kind of focuses on him in his own world and the, um, the strain that kind of finding your own way, especially when you've been so close and so dependent on somebody within your life, whether it's your mother or somebody else and also kind of his love life and takes a very direct look at ableism. It takes a very direct look at um, being fetishized, Um, you know, and these are things that, can also be extrapolated not just from an able disabled kind of talking point but can be extrapolated into uh conversations about race and about um income inequality and you can take a lot of these these topics and really kind of put them onto a lot of other very important very uh highly visible social situations but it does uh it does show how there are people out there who you know very much will fetishize a specific section of the population out there and you know he's uh ryan kind of gets internet famous for his article about his cerebral palsy and ends up meeting this guy at a bar who's like oh i'm such a big fan of yours and the guy's attractive you know in in the the standard white gay uh, type of way. It's very much a, uh, you know, a 10 and a, a five type of thing. Or do you, Eric, were you a Will and Grace fan? Do you remember when he was dating, uh, was it Tay Diggs? And they were talking about like how one person is always hotter than like the other and everybody kind of notices it and pities the, the one who's less hot. Do you remember that? I mean, I don't remember that specific example, but I know it's been used in a lot of. I, I remember shows. that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there, there's always the, the, the conversation where, or the, where everybody looks and it's like, oh, you know, they kind of take pity on the, the less attractive one. So in this instance, Ryan is the less attractive of the two. And the other guy is a, uh, his, you know, he has lots of IMDb credits. He's been in in hallmark movies you know it's it's kind of funny the things that he's quote-unquote famous for and why he is uh better than ryan but when they finally get down to you know having sex it's a matter of him this guy is kind of just like caressing ryan's scars and saying all these things that are just utterly creepy and disturbing and how when you're in that position, even though you can turn around and stop and just say no, but the fact that it's not easy to just stop and say no and to take back that consent because you don't feel like you can because you've already given that consent and you don't feel like you can take it back. And then when he's done, he gets into a bath and just tries to scrub all of it off of him. And it's it's a very interesting look at social issues that we see in certain lenses in media or in, you know, the news versus seeing it from this perspective. Which that's very interesting as opposed to in season one, where he has his first sexual experience uh, with that escort 
and um, who's played by Brian Jordan Alvarez, who's uh, most famous from what is it? The gay and fabulous life of Caleb Gallo. Is that the, the gay and wondrous life of Caleb Gale Gallo? And he's uh, Jack's husband in the revival of Will and Grace. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, yeah. And he plays this escort who he's had experience with other people with uh, cerebral palsy um, because a lot of times they're kind of ashamed or feel like they can't get anyone. So they end up paying for sex. And so um, he understands uh, Ryan's limitations, physical limitations, and it's just very slow and caring. And so it's interesting that uh, this other person treats it so differently. Yeah. And I mean, it's so that is one of the encounters there is a very interesting polyamorous relationship and how that is treaded and how I, I know Eric, you've seen season one, you haven't seen season two. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to try to tread lightly on how I describe <laughs> things. So as not to, cause there are a lot of things that are very well done for the season. And I wish had more time to breathe but the way that they present the situation and how it all kind of works out and where things happen within a polyamorous relationship and having rules and it's probably one of the few if only um poly relationships that i've seen handled in a very careful and nuanced way where they talk about rules and they t- they talk about how things were kind of set up between the two of them. It's it's a very interesting take on it. And this person doesn't know about cerebral palsy, doesn't know what it means, and kind of pushes Ryan to do things that are outside of his limitations. It also... There's also a beat in the story in the season about how his mom wouldn't let him attempt to do things because she overly protected him and would not even try to find what his limitations were. She just as an overprotective mother, a very caring and very loving mother, but a very overprotective mother would stop him before it even got to that point. So instead of saying, okay, let's see if we can do this and then figure out where that limit is would set that limit well before knowing if he could even attempt to do it. So it's a lot of the first, I want to say maybe five episodes are very well thought out. They're very well paced in my opinion. I think that was around the time that they found out that the show was ending Again, I, I I don't remember 100%, but I can swear that um, Ophira and Jonathan Colton interviewed Ryan for Ask Me Another, and he was talking about it on, uh, on their show where they found out uh, that it was going to be the last season. And the last three episodes really kind of seemed to speed up the resolution to the storylines. And that is honestly my only real fault I mean, obviously, there are um, there are things that are are maybe not 
all tens across the board, but overall it's a very good season. And then it kind of speeds to the finish and it puts everybody into a good place, which is nice that they were able to kind of rework it to make it a final piece of the story versus just kind of ending and not having closure for the viewers. So overall, I I do recommend, especially if you've seen uh, season one to watch season two, if you haven't seen the show and you are interested in uh, seeing more queer representation in, uh, you know, we'll call this a television show because it's a, a, a series for Netflix um, it was brought about uh, in conjunction with Jim Parsons, who um, I don't know, you know we've never really been huge fans of Big Bang Theory, I believe, in this uh, in this room. But uh, it's good to see somebody like him who built up fame and notoriety to use that to help bring other queer art to the forefront, especially from uh, a section of the community that doesn't get a lot of attention. You know the. Um, uh, from the disabled community, um, disabled, differently abled. I'm not sure where the current stance is, so I apologize uh, if I'm not uh, using terminology that is proper. Um, I'm just using most of it from what I've uh, heard from the television show. So, uh, again, please forgive me if I if I have uh, misspoken on any of that, and feel free to hit me up and let me know. Uh, but overall. Go check it out. It's on Netflix. You can watch it now. The entire second season is there. Both seasons are up. Um, and full disclosure, uh, Ryan is like my bestie because we met in Provincetown and I took a picture with him. So just saying, we're like we're like best <laughs> friends. So that was that was my star-studded year in, in P-Town for Bear Week, which apparently is starting up um, today, which makes me sad because I don't even know if there really is like an official bear week, but I know that people are there and it's making me sad that I'm not. Um, but we met, we met Ryan O'Connell in uh, Provincetown two years ago. I think it was two years ago. It was the last time I, I went for a second. I thought, Eric, you were, you were there with us, but I think that was the year you did not go with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mikey, Scotty, Matthew, Chrissy, and I were, were there and but we were walking down commercial street and uh, Mikey actually stopped and stopped him. And uh, we got to talk to him for a minute. It was it was nice, super sweet guy, and um, super fun interview. If you are a if you are not an NPR's Ask Me Another listener, uh, go check out the episode where he is the interview, where he is their special guest, uh, because he talks a lot about the show, his experience, and uh, about his book. And uh, it, it was definitely a fun listen. So if you haven't done it yet, go check out Special on Netflix. Boom boom. Uh, so as far as Bear Week goes, it doesn't look like they ha- the actual Provincetown website says that it's happening. But as far as like planned events and like performances and stuff, uh, it looks like they're going to be very light on those this year. So they're expecting people to show up. But like as far as like, you know, drag performances from from uh from famous drag queens and stuff like that. A lot of that stuff's not happening. Yeah. Ptownbears.org, which is the uh, Provincetown Bears website. That, that is the group that is in charge of Bear Week. Um, their website is still legit just a page where it announces the, suspe- the suspension of Bear Week Provincetown 2020. Uh, it says dates for Bear Week Provincetown 2021 are July 10th 
2021 through July 18th, 2021. Um, but it does not say anything else. So I don't yeah. think that the P-Town Bears really planned anything. There are no run passes. Uh, but Provincetown is a delightful place to visit regardless of what is going on. So I am still jealous. It is still my happy place. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful little town to go to and uh, seeing people on Twitter talking about walking down Commercial Street. And I'm like, am I going to have to go off of Twitter for the next week so I don't <laughs> get jealous? But at the same time, one, starting a new job and two, um, you know, COVID's still out there. Yeah, I know everybody in this room is fully vaxxed, but, you know. We're still, we're still coming out of a panorama. Mm. That Pandemi Lovato is still around. and <laughs> uh, The Padme Lakshma. Oh. <laughs> the Padme Amidala. <laughs> Pandora box hasn't been eliminated yet. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of Pandora box and Paramount Plus, can I just say, when I um, so have a Samsung smart TV... And when I hover, like when I move the cursor over the apps on my home screen, their little, a little like box, a little pop-up box uh, appears across the top and it will have like shows that I've watched, like continue watching and All-Star 6 is on there. And it is the worst, <laughs> most unflattering picture of Pandora box that is the, the still I'm going to have to take a picture and I will put it up on our social media because my Lord, like, yes, Pandora is an older queen. I'm an older gay. <laughs> like, you know, we're all, we're all getting to that point, but dear Lord, this makes her look like Methuselah and it's just so it's honestly, it's homophobic. It's, <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting that she was the one that ended up on the screen grab anyways, because she's had so little screen time. I was going to say, it's the most so screen far. time that she's had is on my TV as a still. <laughs> click, clack, click, clack. That's the sound of a sling back. All right. So before we continue on and talk about our last topic and get into our one ups, we just want to one say thank you to all of our listeners out there um, for continuing to be our listeners. Thanks to our Patreon subscribers who have uh, moved their subscription over from uh, the previous tiers to our new tiers. Uh, thank you for checking out the Rainbow Spotlight series that Brian hosts. Thank you for checking out our Twitch streams, <coughs> Eric. Um, but thank you all for, for just, you know, being there and supporting us, uh, make sure you check out our website, flameonshow.com. You can check out all of our, uh, different avenues of media, whether it is where you can watch us, where you can watch us play video games, uh, where you can listen to us, how you can support us through our threadless shop, uh, go to our different social medias, our Instagram, our, um, our Twitter, our Facebook, our TikTok. Uh, we don't have a TikTok, but, you know, just thank you for, for going and checking all of those out. Uh, and like I mentioned before, head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show. And you can support the show by joining one of our four new Patreon levels. So there are great perks available. We may have just ordered the pins, which should be here uh, in the next, hopefully the next two weeks. 
So our patrons at those specific levels will start to see merch going out sooner rather than later. So I'm super excited about that. When I got to place the order, it was it was so much like just a burst of excitement when I pressed the little pay now button. Not because I wanted to spend money, but because I can't wait to see what these pins look like. Uh, we've all seen the proof and it looks fantastic and we can't wait for you all to see it out there. Um, we may have some uh, special guest hosts coming up in the next few months. We're going to have some Patreon picked uh, micros coming out here soon. We are getting caught up on all of the uh, media that we are behind on. So I definitely thank you all for being uh, patient with us. And uh, the last couple of months have just been a little crazy with us all, you know, between jobs and uh, the world starting to reopen, which has changed uh, some of our scheduling. So I appreciate that. BJ's first episode of Why So Spicy is going up on Patreon very soon as well. Uh, so lots of great stuff coming your way. Uh, I do want to give a big thank you and shout out to Hoodoo Voodoo, who has switched over and has joined uh, one of our new Patreon levels. Uh, you've been a supporter of ours for a little while now. I actually don't know exactly who Hoodoo Voodoo is, but you've been fantastic and uh, and been a great support of ours for uh, for quite a bit of time here on Patreon. So thank you, Hoodoo Voodoo. And with that being said, here is BJ's horoscope directly for you. Today's colors are green, red, and blue. The color of a rotting body, but not yours, because you're alive. That you know of. You're breathing. You're processing food. You're doing all the things a living body should be doing, and you're not at all a simulation. Your lucky numbers are 12, 69, 13, and 45. BJ, those are a lot of fun. Uh, I know Joel was very excited about his. He had forgotten there was a horoscope that he was getting for the last episode. And um, you've recorded a bunch of them. So that way you don't have to do them right on the top of your head. So, we, you know, we, we appreciate that. But, um, you know, it was it's they've been fun. And with you doing them pre-recorded, BJ, you get to be extra creepy in them, which is uh, essential for a horoscope, I think. <laughs> I've I have a I've 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 been uh, coming up with various ideas and uh, I've actually been looking up what they do uh, for horror movie sound effects. Um, and some of them are like literally you can just go to like the dollar store and pick up some stuff. So uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be up in my game. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> we also want to give a big thank you and shout out to Jose. Jose has been a, uh, a long-time uh, listener and pledger on Patreon, or patron, I guess I should say. Uh, Jose is our second member. So Jose's been a patron for 20 months. It's almost two years of supporting us on Patreon. Jose, you are amazing. Thank you. Uh, he's our second member of the House of X. So you may be hearing Jose on our um, on our podcast as a special guest host in the uh, not too distant future, if Jose would like to. Uh, and Jose, you'll be seeing that pin in the mail coming very soon. Jose and Joel are our two Howells members at the moment, so you can join them in getting uh, not only first listens to um, our episodes but also some swag including pins and an upcoming flame on postcard um joining us as a special guest host there's lots of great perks um but jose 
here is your horoscope. Personalized, but not really. Just for you. Remember today while you're watching TV that when you respond, they can't hear you. Because think about how terrifying that would be if everything on the screen could hear you and respond. Every person, every place, everything, every vampire, every werewolf, every conceptual horror that you could ever think of watching you, responding to you, whenever you're looking at your glowing tube box. Ooh, that one was creepy, BJ. That one was creepy. (laughs) But we want to thank you all. We appreciate your support. We appreciate uh, everybody just tuning in, telling a friend about the show, writing us a review, um, just doing what you're doing, and uh, share the wealth, spread the word, and let your friends know about our show. And join our Patreon at any of the four levels at patreon.com forward slash flame on show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, let's get back into our last topic. Again, I I saved this one for last because there were like 17 parts to the story and... uh, I, I think most of us, or I know most of us have read it. I don't know. Eric is usually the one that kind of ends up sitting out the comics talk. So, What are comics? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So Eric will be taking a nap during this. Eric's going to continue setting up his Twitch channel in the while we talk about comics. <laughs> uh, y'all are going to be, y- y'all are going to be gooped when Eric comes out of nowhere and he's got like the most professionally styled channel because he has spent like three and a half years preparing right. it. And then he's going to play a video game. It'll be like Donkey Kong. It'll be like some old school Donkey Kong. And then he'll just sign off and be like, and I'm done with my Twitch career. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so while Eric is working on that, BJ, why don't you tell us what our uh, last topic of this month is? Oh, boy. So uh, for those of you that uh, haven't been paying much attention to comics lately, uh, a little event happened over in uh, the island of Krakoa called the Hellfire Gala. Uh, It was about it was about it was about 12 comics. Uh, It it encompassed pretty much all of the current X-Men titles. Um, And boy, howdy. Did the mutants flex on everybody? Um, but before we kind of get to the event, um, before the event, you had we had a uh, uh, Swords of X, 
which kind of gave a little bit more backstory into Apocalypse's uh, pre-life. Um, the sister island to Krakoa, uh, was that Ak- Ak- Arako? Arako. 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 Um, and it's Ten so, of Swords, BJ. It's Ten of Swords. Ten of Swords? Oh, okay. Ten of Swords, yep. Just like the, the tarot card. Come on, tying uh, it back into House of <laughs> House of X, Powers of Ten. Powers of Ten. Um, so before the Hellfire Gala, you have all sorts of issues going on with the uh, um, uh, with the, there's a problem with the supply chain for the Krakoan flowers uh, for the medication. There's an issue with now that Krakoa has its sister island attached that all of a sudden, you know, the island's bigger and there's a couple couple hundred more mutants hanging out there uh, that hasn't been announced to the general world. Um, everybody's starting to get a little antsy to see what the mutants are doing. Um, so part of a solution to all this is the Herald Hellfire Gala, which uh, Emma Frost has put together as a part of the Hellfire Trading Company's uh, kind of a kind of a almost like the Met Gala, but it's more of an international party with uh, all superheroes. Um, I gotta say, Doc Doctor Doom shows up. You've got the Avengers showing up. Tony shows up with like his one of his suits filled with uh, uh side dampeners, um, refusing to wear his uh his uh flower invitation lapel in standard Tony Stark fashion. Um. The mutants all have uh, what's really interesting to me is that the way they put this event on shows kind of how they've evolved past the like human standards of putting on events. There's a really cool section where all of the telepaths on the island put together a symphony, but they connect everybody's mind. So you get to play an instrument and they also give you like the know how to play the instrument. So everybody kind of has this. It's a really it's a really cute moment that you can see all the people who are kind of taken in by this sort of interesting take on like entertainment. And then you have a couple. I think there's a, an ambassador from Britain that's just kind of like this is just trickery by the by the mutants. Uh, whereas you have other people that are like, that was actually very beautiful. Um, you've got. Uh, all the surface level events, they actually they uh, they use also use all the telepaths around the island to have hold a vote for uh, the new X Men team, uh, which Rogue is team leader. I believe she's team leader. Is she? No, Jean and Scott. I think are still technically okay. team leaders. Yeah, but it's it's Jean, Scott, Rogue, uh, Polaris, Sunspot, um, Sunfire. Sunfire, Sunfire. Yes. I don't know. No, I was, Sunspot, I was, was, Sunspot was pissed that he was not elected. <laughs> he was. Uh, <laughs> because he, he popped up a lot in X-Corp. Um, but uh, but yeah, so they, they select a new X-Men team, which is... Uh, I'm very interested to see uh, how things uh, kick off when that book hits. Um, We're one issue in. They, it did come out this past Wednesday, so... Okay, so, uh, so as of this recording drop, the, the first issue's up. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, in addition the... to planet-sized X-Men, which I'm sure, like, it, 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 planet-sized X-Men by the same creative team of Jerry Duggan and, um, oh man, what's his name? Pepe. I cannot Is it remember Pepe? the artist. Pepe Larraz? Yes, Pepe. Um, that that planet-sized X-Men book is the cornerstone of this whole event, right? Oh my god. Um, like... <laughs> I, I don't, 
I don't. Okay, so it's called Planet Size X Men. Do you, do you, BJ? Do you do you understand the the why of that? I mean, there's the there's the reason in the story, <laughs> but do you know the the tie back to the giant size X Men? I I don't know that I don't know that the tie back. Okay, I do so know that there is a tie back, but I I wasn't aware. Of, no, no, it's okay. What giant it's size X Men is the X Men book that introduced like the second generation after the original five uh, of okay. Scott Jean. Uh, the, 19, you know, the 1975 number one yes uh okay. and it also featured krakoa very prominently in a totally different light and so this relaunch this new x title starts with number one formally but giant a planet-sized x-men as sort of a reference to that and also the reference to what happens in that in that issue oh, yeah. so yeah i mean that i feel like there's a lot there you talk about flexing like the mutants oh flexing. yeah that so. i i mean i I audibly gagged when I when I was reading because there's there's an event that happens. I don't know how spoiler we we're, we're going to go with it's, this. I mean, it's been out for a month or two. <laughs> or oh, it's been out for a month. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, five technically six, five mutants terraform Mars, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's but what's funny to me is is it's not even just the terraforming of Mars that. Like it, like the creation of Krakoa and the creation of the five, the creation of the flowers, the medication for hum- the human race, like all of that was kind of a direct flex on humanity. But this, like, not only shows because, like, it, like Krakoa's only been there for what, like a, a year, not even like it within the comics. Uh, it's, it's a little over yeah i don't know in comic time because marvel time yeah. is crazy but it's like been a little it's been over a year it's it's been a little over a year but they, they have effectively just a year of mutants working together and figuring out new and interesting ways to use their powers not to mention the uh the sister island mutants like they use two of them and it's just this this idea that they it, it it's it's not, so it's it's they terraform the planet, but it's not just terraforming the planet. It's the creation of a spaceport and having that planet being formally recognized by other galactic empires. Like that right there is like that's just that's just a backhanded compliment to Earth right there because when you think about it, Earth's not formally like the capital of the solar system. So, like, so to put this in perspective for non-X-Men comic fans, oh, by the way, House of X came out two years ago. So we've been in okay. Krakoa world for two years now, uh, or thereabouts. Uh, imagine if, like, let's just say China. I mean, I'm picking a nation, but, you know, pick whatever nation that's not the U.S., let's say. U.S. is like Earth, right? And they just go off and say, all right, we're terraforming Mars, and oh, by the way, we've made this spaceport, and oh, by the way, this is now the capital of the solar system, and everybody agrees to that. And, uh, you know, thanks. And don't, they don't ask, they just do it. That's kind of the (laughs) geopolitical more than geo. What is it? Solar political. Like that's what it's it's crazy. Like if you think about it from that larger perspective now in the story, it's mostly the mechanics of it with a little bit of this and that. But what I love about house, um, hellfire gala is they do it in a very nonlinear sort of fashion. Uh So you don't just go, point a to point you know the end and and there, there's the terraforming as the big highlight of the night they actually start in that first issue i believe it was um marauders yeah it's marauders it marauders 21 
um, and they show the beginning and then they show the end as people are leaving and they leave out major chunks that then the other books fill in and planet size X-Men being the big event that you only get like a sense of a reaction. And then the reactions delightfully vague, although Jerry, uh, Jerry Duggan wrote the Marauders issue as well as planet size X-Men. So, I mean, it all fits together organically. I'm sure it wasn't like a, all right, we'll just start here and end here and we're good. But like, like it's, it fits together very well. I think some of the other books in the, in the collection or the, uh, the series, like your mileage may vary. If you really are into like the X Factor camera folks, and, and there's really some cool stuff, some queer stuff actually, because you get uh, Richter and Shatterstar having a lovely reunion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> lovely well, being a very uh, well, interesting word for it. I mean, it, yeah, right. A it's, realistic reunion. Sure. No, actually, I mean, yeah. I mean, it ends very. It ends in a very kind of lovely place, but that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's, but it's yeah. Yeah. And if you've read the Marvel Voices of Pride issue, uh, I believe, unless I'm totally misreading one of the stories in there. Okay, maybe it was just on Krakoa. It wasn't during the event. But um, but anyway, it, it's it's uh there's there's some lovely uh queer uh moments and and even I think who is it? There's another there's two uh female characters that have like a moment. Uh Lo- well, I know uh, Kitty Loa and um oh crap. It's the one who, um, yeah, because then uh, they get Legion involved. Oh and yeah, yeah. One yeah. is one is Loa, L O A, and I forget what the other character's name is. I'm not familiar with them as characters, yeah. but I know that I, I yeah. She, she uh, is it Hope? No, I know Hope. Hope is dancing with with someone, and I can't just can't remember who. Kitty, but I don't and, know Kitty and Rachel were dancing together. That's what yeah. Kitty and Rachel were dancing, which was yeah. they're not together. It's just but it's but it's an, it's it's the, uh, like the one thing about the book that I really like is it does highlight kind of how everybody, all the party goers, maybe like not X Factor because they were like working security and everything, but all the party goers of how the, how differently mutants interact with each other versus kind of how they interact with their human counterparts. Um, but no, like like it's it's. Because it's it, like I like I seriously it, like the whole like planet size X Men gagged me, but then it was uh, the things I really really liked is you actually got some more interaction with like other hero teams, um, with the Fantastic Four and Reed having his word with uh, you still don't know what he said to uh, Professor Xavier because Franklin is not a mutant. Uh, and he's not formally recognized as a mutant of Krakoa, so he's no longer allowed there. Um, yeah, I didn't understand so- all that. I, I may have missed the uh, the issue that explained that. I think there was like a there was that limited X Men Fantastic Four series that no, it was, um, it, there it was, was a, but it didn't it didn't t- it tied into that, but didn't because in uh, FF FF versus Fantastic or versus X Men or whatever, they basically said that Franklin had a home on Krakoa and then they turn around and I I guess this will maybe tie into something for the future I don't know if he's I don't think they've denounced him as a mutant I think they've just kind of taken back the you know you're welcome here no he's 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 formally denounced um Uh what the so in uh it was an issue of Fantastic Four where um I think it's Johnny Johnny goes to kind of visit the family and he goes and, and has a conversation with um franklin 
and Franklin's, you know, he's listening to Dazzler. He's got like all the Krakoan like advertisements. Um, he's he's got a uh, there's like a little map on his uh, phone of where the Krakoan embassy is, so he can go to the island whenever he wants. Um, and there's a point where something's going wrong with his powers. His powers keep fluctuating, um, and he uses them up fighting some random cosmic being. Um, which was more or less just a punching bag for him to uh, get rid of his powers. And when he goes to the gate to try and ask for help from other mutants, um, the professor appears to him and says that the nearest they can figure out is that when he was growing up, most of the superhero community at the time was mutants. So he just thought he was a mutant. And his abilities are reality warping abilities. So effectively his powers just manifested as X-Gene. Um, the problem is now that his powers are gone, that doesn't seem to be the case. So the gates don't react to him. Uh, the professor told him, uh, please don't try to come here anymore. Uh, and even Magneto at one point during the, uh, I think it's before the Hellfire Gala, they actually, I think it was the professor was like, should we reach out to Franklin, you know, and his family for help? And Magneto makes the little comment saying no more pretenders. Um, so no, oh, that's Fra- interesting. Franklin- that's an interesting comment because uh-huh. as we'll get to the event does kind of end in a certain way with this, um, uh, death. I'm and, uh, this death is very, um, I'm, we're glad oral's not on the show this week, uh, because, <laughs> uh, it would be a, it would be a tough moment for him. Uh, again, spoilers, but I mean, and this is a little more recent, but I feel like, uh, we're, spoilers spoiler warnings are sufficient right you get this moment and i think it was in the end of one of the x factor books in the tie-in that uh scarlet witch is found dead and i believe the magneto's helmet is sort of at the scene of the crime which is like okay obviously magneto didn't do it right but it doesn't matter helmet bloody it's magneto whatever and it's his daughter sort of but that pretender's remark does kind of then tie in i think a little bit Mm-hmm. because you know if you're not keeping up with marvel and all you know is the mcu stuff well i'm sorry because this is a lot right <laughs> uh scarlet which used to be considered and and, and really was a mutant and was magneto's daughter and all this stuff with quicksilver and then at some point i think it was under um uh remender's run they took that away and so now scarlet witch and uh quicksilver aren't mutants kind of maybe and then house of m and all that shit but like long story short that pretenders remark does kind of foreshadow that yeah. uh and so well, it, it was all it was well after house of m it was during it was around the time that they were coming out with age of ultron and days of future past movies were coming out because it was the whole mar um marvel having not having the rights to mutants so yeah. they retconned them into being experiments of the high evolutionary and then the the their birth at Mount Wondegore or Vundegore and all of that was mis- or, or construed as being mutants, but they weren't, aren't. But that scene, honestly, before we go into you know the the final reveal page, when Wanda, first of all, that art was stunning. She looked phenomenal when she stepped mm-hmm. through the gate into the little garden where Magneto was. But that conversation unless it was meant to be a uh, kind of a red herring or, or, or throw you off the scent was so well-written and very much played into the part of 
you don't need to be blood to be family because he sits there and talks about, you know, for years, you know, we, we both thought this and it takes two, uh, two to pretend. And like all of these things that he said to her were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene, you know, you see, um, um, the, uh, Billy gets teleported in and it's just, and then he goes over and his mom is dead. But it was very interesting because this will then lead into, I don't remember the helmet and I may just have missed that part of the, the it, art. It, it may not have been in the issue, but it's, it's in the cover art for one of the issues coming up. So people are like speculating that that's the quote. Well, the, the next, it leads the to next, trial of Magneto. Yeah. That's right, the next right. big event, which is funny because so, it's actually, one of. The, so, so they entered, they ended X factor formally as of issue, I think nine. And that creative team is going on and doing trial of Magneto, which is kind of, interesting uh, as far as the continuity there so it's like they're still doing the same kind of work they're just not doing it under x factor and x factor has been really good and it has a lot of queer elements uh throughout with uh you know north star and prodigy and um yep. Dokken. honestly it's the most queer x book i feel like um <laughs> it is do, do but, we want to talk about the backlash it received for that final oh, issue i didn't hear much about the backlash. i didn't hear much about the backlash either about them um, kind of taking and rushing through a uh, a story about a an old white man who uh, preyed on queer uh, queer <gasps> men of color. Oh, as yes. a serial killer, That's and right. kind of just rushed through that story. I didn't take much offense to it. The fact that that was even a storyline in a comic, I thought, was um, impressive. That it, it made it that way because, as you said, this is the queerest of the X books. Yeah. Um, and it was very interesting. You don't often, with the end of a, a title, see two or three pages from the creative team saying goodbye. Um, so it was very interesting to see how this, the, how that book ended. But yeah, I, I saw some, I saw some backlash on, uh, on the internets about how it was uh, not the place for that kind of story and how it was handled and, and all of that. But it was, interesting. it was, it was very, uh, yeah, I agree with Pat. It's, it was good that yeah. they, they touched on it. Um, did they give it enough room to really breathe and have its own thing? No, but it, it was still like, Oh wow, we're doing this. This is dark and crazy. And I mean, it's real. And um, so can we talk about one of the biggest injustices of house of X or house of X um, hellfire ball? I did not see, and again, I'm totally holding this up just for us. <laughs> I did not see the most amazingly uh, 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 outfitted uh, member of this. Uh, I did not see you, uh, a, a Colossus you, at you, all. Mean, you mean most daddy of everybody at that damn event? Like, they yeah. did a whole redesign of all <laughs> the X-Men. Everybody gets a cool outfit. And all of them are really interesting. They're all cool and different and, and unique. And, and I loved, you know, like Cyclops' advisor. We talked a little bit about this, I think, when this this little preview thing came out. But the best one, the one that everyone I, well, everyone I <laughs> talked to was, like, going crazy about is Colossus. And he does not show up. I, yeah, if he he's does. in there. Oh, he, he does. does. He's in there. Yeah, yeah, he's, he, he, yeah. he walks through the scene. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he, he, walks he doesn't have a, he doesn't have any speaking role, but he well, he walks through he walks through I, I the just, panel. I, I I mean they made such a big deal about the outfit. I was a little disappointed that he didn't get a little bit more of a something. But I, if, it's if such... you look through look through where um in that in that guide like it shows it shows the redesigns per book. So like it talks because usually it's the characters that are from that book. So like the X Corps, so Warren and Monet and all of those like. 
those designs show up in those books. So if Colossus is listed under like as one in one of those books, go back and look at that issue. Okay. And and yeah. look for I him. I gotta look. Just walking through the party. He's at the gala in, <laughs> and just I say walking through as if it's like a motion comic, but as you're going through the panels, he's just kind of there in the background in that outfit. It looks great, but does not have a lot of uh Yeah, there's no emphasis. There's yeah, there's no there's no real he doesn't take place in a larger part of the story. Um although I gotta say, so like so we've got the beginning. Um my favorite thing was I think they highlighted the most important uh I almost said episodes, the most important issues in red. And the last of the most important ones was actually uh sword. Uh, I think it was sword number two. Oh, I was um, going to say, cause we talk about uh, planet Araco being the, the uh, capital of soul, the, our solar yes. system, but yep. we didn't touch on, and it's in uh sword who speaks for soul. <laughs> and well it's but my thing is is the build up to that was brilliant because I'm so forever for forevermore I'm calling this move pulling a Krakoa because not only um not only do you have who was the spokesperson I don't recognize her she she kind of looked like Domino but she had green hair Abigail um, Brand Ab- Abigail okay Abigail Brand um yeah Abigail just walking up, so you had you had Star Lord, um, and whatever empire he's he runs with his sister. You have the representative for the intergalactic empire of Wakana, Wakanda. Um, you have um, uh, the Shi'ar uh, empire representative from there. So you have like a uh, you even had a um, uh, Hulkling uh, who is in charge of who's now the king of the Kree scroll empire. Um, so you have all these representatives for these different intergalactic empires. Uh, and they have offered them a special metal that they have created on the planet, which is, I think it's second to adamantium. And they call like it, mysterium or some dumb yeah, thing. Yeah. It's, like, it's yeah. yeah, it's, it's mysterium, but it's, it's like, it's lightweight heat resistant, incredibly strong um if, if you're using it for uh for circuitry it's like 200 percent efficient like like they're pretty much like you get to go home with like some of this for free and if you recognize this planet as the capital of the solar system they're like you get to take home a couple tons so and i like how hulkling was like we'll take the free sample and then we'll get back to you i like how wakanda seemed angry because in my head i'm like why didn't they do this sooner <laughs> they and um, according to the notes, they are the only one who um, refused to recognize Planet Araco. Yes, um, I do. Um, I love how Doom shows up, pissed off that I he, he, a he wasn't invited, um, and I also like the, there's the little conversation that this will definitely link back to it. Uh, the little conversation that Namor had with uh, Xavier and Magneto where they offer him a seat on the council and he's actual mutant royalty. So like he should be with his people. And he makes the comment that he technically runs or owns 70% of earth and they just own an Island and to come back to him when he has more to all, when they have more, more to offer. Um, <laughs> so it's, it, it's very interesting. And I, I like the whole idea that once again, they're offering something that was created by mutant hands just for acknowledgement. 
They're like, here's something that will make your empire, your lives easier. And we made it. And all you have to do is acknowledge the thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm calling that pulling a Krakoa. Uh, but the best part of uh, Sword was uh, finding out who the regent ruler of uh, Soul is, and that would be Storm. Um, which makes sense. Uh, she has experience ruling a nation. Um, she was also one of the five mutants that uh, terraformed the damn planet. So, uh... <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 very interesting. And with the upcoming trial of Magneto, I'm very interested to see how this is going to affect relations uh, affect relations with uh, the Kree Scroll Empire because Tommy is like the court. I want to say court magician, but he's like, he's a he's essentially not only like the prince of that, of that empire, he has like an official title and his mother effectively was murdered on a, on, 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 on not only on his home planet, but a different nation. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually tie that into how, uh, how Hulkling handles his relations with Soul now, since he he I don't think he took the deal, but he, he the deal wasn't off the table as far as he was concerned. So I, yeah, I think the only one who, um, according to the notes, because they have like they like to do all these data sheets and all these notes and everything. Uh, Earth Richard Ryder is Nova was a partial rep for Earth, but otherwise everybody else uh, showed that they did accept the deal. So it'll it'll definitely be interesting how it plays out from here on out with going into the trial of Magneto, going into uh, Inferno, because that's yep. what I was saying before. It's you know trial of Magneto is one of the next big things to come out of this, besides X Men and the you know the next twelve issues of that that are going to run, and how that's going to shape the mutants in the world uh, of Earth. But you have Inferno coming back with Mystique basically vowing to burn it all to the ground so it'll be very interesting to see how how it all kind of shapes up uh and there was also i, I think it was the x-men issue right before the hellfire uh, gala started or this might be the kicking off part for inferno but um they have uh they they have six i know the mutants succeeded in keeping the mother mold from being created However, uh, it looks like Nimrod is a couple hundred years early. Uh, Nimrod has been successfully created a uh, hundred years early. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out uh, moving forward. Yeah, because Moira's, in Moira's timelines, Nimrod almost always or always spelled the end of mutant kind. So yeah. for Nimrod to come online and originally be a, a vessel for the doctor's mind mm -hmm. was very an interesting take on Nimrod. And it makes sense, especially to when Nimrod first was introduced, um, especially with Bishop and, and all of the, uh, like that storyline. But to see how it kind of is shaped for this new era, it, mm -hmm. it was an interesting take on it. And yeah, yeah and... The, the other big thing uh, coming out of this is Henry Peter Gyrick 
being uh, a part of Orcus and seeing some of the heroes of Earth being courted by Orcus, including Captain America. Mm-hmm. So it'll be very interesting to see how this all kind of plays into how the world is viewing mutants, especially after the fireworks of oh, Planets Out of I, X-Men. And I really loved the, the the bits and pieces we got to see of Captain America's kind of reaction where like Doom asked him how he felt about the whole thing with the fireworks and Mars being terraformed and everything. And I like how it didn't make him angry. He, it was just that line of him saying, I knew we would get to Mars eventually. I just thought we would do it together. And that, that idea right there, it's going to be interesting to see how people react to that. Cause like the little, the little uh, side note from NASA where they were angry but they wanted to get to that planet right then and there to take to take readings to study like what what was done, like the idea that they were like, well, damn it, we thought we would do it, and you know, and then they didn't. So it's it's very interesting how I, how Doom even goes to Captain America and is just like, how does this make you feel? And he's just like, I thought we would do it together, and I'm like, but that's what the mutants thought as well. That's what Professor Xavier fucking thought too. He thought that you guys would work together. And now you're being left in the dust because you, you you didn't see what what mutant kind and humanity could do together. So it's it, that I I really like that because like that I felt like that was a kick in the teeth like some of the characters needed or technically deserved. So well, and then my last takeaway from it, speaking of Captain America, was when he and Emma were at the gala when he first arrived and she was doing her pleasantries as hostess and uh flirting with him and then Mm -hmm. i think she was talking to kate afterwards i I can't remember who exactly she was talking to but she was kind of alluding to you know uh enjoying flirting with captain america and then she realizes oh my god i remind him of his mother (laughs) i don't know why that tickled me so much but i feel like that was a great final takeaway for me any final takeaways from you two on uh the hellfire gala no, <laughs> I forgot about that. Though. <laughs> I remind him of his mother. Well, we hope that you all are enjoying this episode and all the other episodes that we put out for you as Flame On. Uh, if you do, please head over to flameonshow.com and uh, check us out on all of our different social media platforms. Check us out on our Twitch channels. Check us out on YouTube uh, where we put the Rainbow Spotlight uh, series once they've aired all of that is available on our website as well as our threadless shop so you can go and support us with some flame on swag uh, and if you do purchase any flame on swag please let us know and post it on social media tag us in it we would love to see you in a flame on shirt uh, there's great color options uh, different shirt styles we're in the summer right now so you can get a tank uh, in a in a cute color combination make it work for you make it but is it fashion it's fashion uh, that was for Eric. I figured at least now after all the comics talk, bring him back in with a little uh, peppermint and Bob the Drag Queen. Uh, but check it, uh, check out our Threadless shop, purchase some merch, and uh, and tag us on uh, social media. You can also head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show and join us on one of our four platform uh, four tiers, I should say, not platforms, one of our four tiers, and uh, help us support the show that way as well. All right. We have made it to the final segment of the show. 
it is time for us to talk about our one-ups. These are the things that are... Giving me life. Me life. <laughs> I told you I'd eventually have the Mariah Carey clip ready to go. <laughs> anyway, these are the things that are giving us life. And they are everything. Uh, let's go back around the other way. BJ, what is your one up? Uh, actually, so I had, ha, I, I'm, I'm pulling a pat today. Um, so my the main thing that's giving me life right now, actually, is just I've been playing, um, they just released uh, Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart uh, for, the F- for the PS5. Uh, and it's been, uh, honestly, it's funny to me. I jumped on the Ratchet and Clank train, like, I think back when the one came out for the PS3. Um, but the animation, the story writing, Insomniac, I don't know who they paid for their story writing. But, like, that person, I don't know if that person needs to be called or, like, given every ounce of money on the planet because... Like, I'm, I'm getting a little bit tired of Insomniac games like Spider-Man and Spider-Man Miles Morales making me feel things. Um, but no, Gratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Uh, if you are lucky enough to have grabbed a PS5, um, it is out right now for the PS5. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic. The weapons are hilarious. There's a weapon called the Pixelizer that uh, downgrades the graphic quality of the enemies when you hit them. Um, and then uh, you can upgrade it to the Pixelizer HD. Um, but then, uh, that, so that's that I've been literally, I'm on my second playthrough cause Ratchet and Clank, it's a, is a uh, tradition to do a challenge mode after you, uh, beat the game once to get, uh, more weapon upgrades. Uh, and then secondly, they have released a ton of trailers this past week for all sorts of stuff. Um, and one was American Horror Story, American Horror Stories, uh, which I guess are going to be single episode, um, American Horror Story themed episodes, which some of them will go back to uh, places like the Murder House, uh, the Campground from Freak Show, and it's just little side stories uh, that involve those locations and just the world building of American Horror Story. And I think that will be good because uh, Ryan Murphy is very good at beginning stuff, but ending stuff, he's a little bit iffy on. Um, So yeah, I'm very excited about that. And that will be on Hulu uh, oh, actually, I think that'll only be on Hulu. It'll be a FX on Hulu. Uh, and I think that comes out this. So when this episode drops, it'll be another week before it comes out. Um, but yeah, those are the uh, the things that are giving me life. Sweet. So that is Ratchet and Clank on the PS5 and American Horror Stories exclusively on Hulu. Brian, what is giving you life this month? So uh, just a real quick mention, uh, Reptile from Marvel, uh, Reptile number one came out, and this is by our friend Terry Bloss, and uh, arc, uh, art by uh, Mr., I can never, I'm going to butcher his name, oh no, Enid Balam, I think is how you say it, uh, and inks by uh, Victor uh, Olazaba, and uh, colorist by Carlos Lopez. What I like about this uh, I'm not as familiar with Reptile as a character. He's one of the uh, 50 state initiative uh, creations from back in the Civil War era, but also has been like Avengers Academy and just this and that. Basically, all you need to care about is he's Dinosaur Boy. Like he is literally a dinosaur. Like uh, he's been fused with dinosaur or something. I don't know. It, it's it's they do a lot of uh, uh, world building kind of explanations, catching you up in the beginning. But and that's you have to. But after that, uh, I really enjoyed Terry's uh, take on this, 
it's very um his latinx uh family and and just some some really great little moments um i there's a i guess he's got like a gay cousin or something and and the the, the remark was uh it's as noisy in here as untucked uh, which knowing Terry is a huge uh, drag race fan and has done a lot of drag race art, uh, like makes sense and is, is really a nice touch. Um, yeah, no, it's it's fun. I, I don't know. Uh, I might pick up the next issue uh, only because the character isn't something I'm that you know invested in or interested in reading uh, monthly. But uh, I'm so proud of Terry for getting this Marvel book. Uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was also in honorable mention, I guess I should say. Queer Voices of Marvel, or Voices of Pride, I should say. Uh, he has a story in there as well, which actually I think I prefer of the two a little bit more. Uh, but it is a cute little queer, uh, I mean, the whole thing is queer, but it's a cute little um, sort of uh, thing with, uh, what's Wolverine? Dokken, I can never remember his name. Uh, Wolverine's uh, sort of son, I think. Like That's his son, right? It is his son. Yeah, that's yeah. his son. Yeah, he's got so many kids. Um, so yeah, so uh, it's a cute little story called Good Judy uh, that has uh, Anol and uh, Jonas Gray Malkin and they're having a little conversation and and then Dokken gets involved. It's cute. It's cute. This whole um, The Voices of Pride book, uh, if you haven't found it, if you didn't know about it, uh, be sure to go get it or get it online. It's got some really um, great queer voices. Uh, pretty much, if it's not entirely from queer creators, it's mostly uh, also friend from the various conventions. Uh, Luciano Vecchio uh, did uh, the, the sort of framing narrative and the cover of the main uh, book. Beautiful art. His stuff's always amazing. Uh, I think Russell Dowderman's got stuff in here. There is a delightful old, um, a, a old story about um, Iceman and it, he meets, um, he meets uh, Magneto back in the original like you know five era when magneto was a villain but there's this lovely little beat where you know it happens between the panels right like magneto is like why are you upset you know why are you crying what's going on and and, and they have a lovely little moment where you can sort of see the early 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 uh problems that he was having coming out or understanding who he was and all that uh yeah some so leah leah williams uh vita ayala uh, Steve Orlando had a story in here. Uh, Mariko Tamaki, Alan Heimberg. Oh, Alan Heimberg got, got to do a thing with um, uh, North Star and his husband, which is sweet. Um, some uh, Teeny Howard, of course, Terry Bloss, K- Kieran Gillen, who I didn't realize uh, he's doing a new um, book, uh, the Eternals book for Marvel. Yeah, he's by. He came out as by recently, as did Al Ewing. Uh, nice. So a lot of writers and creators are coming out and being like, hey, by the way, I uh, didn't really want to make a thing of it, but I'm by. So that's cool. Um, Is yeah. Bill Jimenez involved in the book, too? I know he did some art for uh, like Pride variant covers. I wasn't sure if he was involved. I think he did the DC book because he is more of a DC guy. I know yeah, he he's did, not on. He, he, oh, uh, wait, you're right. You're right. He did yeah. a um, you're right. He did a uh, I think he did one of the uh, variant covers. Yeah, because he posted on Twitter. I follow him on Twitter. I, I want to try to get him on the show at some point. Yeah, and Russell Dowderman, uh, Chris Anka, Olivier Coipel, Coipel like uh, they're all queer artists that you know we've, we've talked about before. They all do variant covers for this uh, as well. But anyway, uh, yeah, Marvel Voice of Pride, and then I forgot the DC one. I don't think we talked about it before. I don't know if I have it handy, but ba- basically, Marvel and DC both did lovely little Pride Month books. If you're not uh, 
going to LCSs because of the pandemic. I totally understand. Um, just look on uh, your apps for them. Um, they could easily kind of go by and you may have missed them. Uh, both were lovely. I'm really happy that they're doing them. Uh, they're anthologies, so you don't have to be invested in these worlds to really pick up and read these little short stories. So check it out and support queer uh, LCS, uh, queer comic creators uh, and queer comics at your LCS. If they do not have a queer comic section and you're comfortable asking for one, please be sure to Mike's store here at Arcane Comics and Shoreline. I want to give them a shout out. They actually have a whole like queer uh, comics, like not wall, but like not, not in cap either. One of those, one of those like shelves of uh, just a bunch of books. And so every time I go in there now, I'm always picking up some new indie uh, queer comics to talk about in the future. So yeah, go uh, ask for queer comics by name. Sweet. Eric, what is giving you life this month? So I know previously on a previous episode, I talked about hacks, um, but one actress in particular, uh, Meg Stalter, uh, who plays Kayla, the inept uh, receptionist at the management company. Um, she, for Pride Month, which is over now, but you can be prideful all year long. Uh, she put out this satirical look at what corporations sound like for Pride Month on TikTok, and everyone should listen to it as it's permeating gay culture as it's popped up on uh, Las Culturistas, as well as the bald and the beautiful people are quoting it everywhere. And just the new greeting for any queer people is now hi gay. Um, and we're sashaying into deals this month. If you do mouth uh, love stuff, gay. you get four, <laughs> so four barrels. If you do gay stuff in front of us, you get an extra 30% off. I think my mom's friend is gay, so that's cool. Um, no, it's just hilarious. Uh, go watch it. It's fun. It's a fun little minute. Um, and BJ mentioned trailers galore coming out this week. Um, a couple properties we already knew about put out extended trailers. Masters of the Universe put out an extended trailer as well as Time Back to Marvel. What if put out an extended trailer? So excited. Uh, which looks really good. Um, so that's what's giving me life this week, this month. Love it. So excited for what if that comes out in August. Now that we have an actual um, date for it, I'm, I'm super stoked. Oh, All and right. Alligator Loki. I'm sorry. Oh, Alligator well, I mean, Loki's of course. <laughs> Alligator Loki, the breakout star of the Loki series on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so for mine, I'll actually, I wasn't going to mention this at first, but I will, uh, now that you mentioned Alligator Loki, I'll spin off into it. If you haven't checked it out, there is a five-minute short on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's a Simpsons slash Loki crossover. It's like the Springfield Avengers. Um, so good. It was like the good, the Barton, the Loki or something, I think is the subtitle. Uh, but it's only about five minutes long, five or six minutes. has uh, multiple uh, end credit scenes. And the best part about it is the platform actually sets it up where you can skip the credits. So once you watch through the, um, once you watch the short and it gets to the credits, it'll come up with a little button that says skip credits. And you do that and it goes to the the credit scene <laughs> it'll start credits again comes up and you can keep hitting it till it gets to the end so it's fantastic uh very cute and uh uh the the first introduction of uh lady thor before love and thunder comes out next year i believe 
yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> with Lisa Simpson as uh, as Thor. So that is uh, with the new inscription as well, not the not the original oh. inscription. Yeah. Uh, should they be worthy? Not should he be worthy? So good on them. Uh, <laughs> The other thing, I don't know how I forgot to mention this last month, uh, Liz Fair, if you are an older uh, gay, if you're older and were part of that uh, Ladies of Rock movement in the uh, mid-90s, Liz Fair is a name that may be uh, familiar to you. Uh, I didn't come about Liz Fair until she put out her eponymous album, Liz Fair, Liz Fair, in the early aughts and uh, fell in love at that point and i'm going to see her when she is one of the opening uh special guests for alanis morissette on the 25th now 26th anniversary of jaggy little pill tour but if her her first album in 11 years soberish came out uh last month and it is a it's a good album it's a very good album um it's kind of a mix of her old feel plus some of what she became kind of known for after she put out that eponymous album. And um, so I, I'm a fan right off the bat. And then I tweeted something uh, because one of, the, one of the sets of lyrics and I was like, damn, Liz Fair just snatched my wig off my head. Why don't you? And she liked it. So that made me very happy. That gave me life last month uh, and I forgot <laughs> to talk about it. So it's going to give me life right now to tell you all about it. And uh, my friend, author David J. Collins of uh, such books as Gay Bash and Summerdale, uh, soon to be Summerdale 2 later this year, uh, was at Transistor Bookstore here in Andersonville. I believe it was in Andersonville, if not in um, Lakeview. Uh, He picked up a copy of Horror Stories, her memoir, uh, and gifted that to me uh, last weekend when I went by his place. So Liz Fair is a big central uh, thing in my life right now. And then uh, just what's been giving me life has been uh, a bit of drag race, both uh, España, which honestly, even without 100% getting references, uh, has been one of the better additions to the franchise. I haven't felt this way since uh, UK season one. I know season two was good and had a lot of great uh, you know queens on it, but season one of UK holds a special place in my heart because we got to meet all of them as uh, part of Drycon is, you know, for flame on being uh, there as press uh, and all-star six on Paramount plus. I know I mentioned it before with that very awful uh, still of Pandora box that comes up on my screen, <laughs> but uh, it's actually for the cast. I wasn't necessarily thrilled because there were some names. I was like, ah, all right, you're getting a third shot. All right, go for it. And as much as, you know, we, we, we love our friends, you know, at Ginger getting a third shot is great. And I, I hope she does well. And I hope that, you know, she goes far. Um, but I would like to see some new queens get a chance. But the way that the season has gone so far, it's actually been really entertaining. And the Lip Sync Assassins have been really fucking good and been queens that really have shown that they're either Lip Sync Assassins or can throw it the fuck down. You've had Brooklyn Heights, uh, who we know can tear up a fucking lip sync. You've had Coco Montrese, who is the lips. One, I think one of the first ones that was coined a lip sync assassin uh, back in season five. You've had uh, Laganja Estranja, newly. Uh, uh, she newly declared her uh, her journey as a trans woman. So props to you, Mama. Okay. 
I, I can't do any of that properly, but you know, uh, I tried. Uh, who did fantastic? Who fucking did a jump split out of the rafters, uh, and was probably the most talked about thing of that entire episode. And uh, then uh, Jessica Wild on this most recent episode as a lip sync assassin. And honestly, I've enjoyed seeing the people who haven't even had a chance to come back for All Stars more than I have some of the queens that are on All Stars. But uh, on top of that, our friend Sonique is looking fucking fierce and overall doing pretty damn good. Um, You know, hasn't been in the bottom yet. So good for her. And uh, she's still my pick and my hope to win this season of All-Stars. As much as we love Ginger, uh, I think Sonique uh, deserves deserves the win. So I'm Team Sonique with uh, a side of Team Ginger. <laughs> so those are the things that are giving me life in this the month of July. Uh, we hope that you all have enjoyed this episode. Make sure to check us out at flameonshow.com. And if you would like to, go check out patreon.com forward slash flameonshow and uh, become a patron. With that being said, Bobbyitch. Bye. Bye, gay. Bye, gay. <laughs> July 1st. Scrape the rainbows off of everything. <laughs> Bye, gays. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.